Hello! Welcome to the Mind Buffs Podcast. I am your host, Matt Demoisak, and I'm here for our second episode with my biz partner, Alex Shinky. Hello, everyone. <laughs> we are pretty excited about today's episode because it's kind of be a bit of a rant. It's going to be uh, two salty sports psychologists talking about uh, an episode of Swamp Kings that was just viscerally disgusting to us. And we're going to just talk about um, what was going down in that episode for the coaches, for the players, and just the horrible culture that was built based on the, the head coaches. Um, mindset that, you know, and this is the quote that we're really going to lean into today, that I'm gonna treat my superstars like superstars and my shit like shit. <laughs> and honestly, the entire episode really is a testament to this coaching philosophy um, that he had. So I really want to just uh, start off by having Alex share what was her experience like watching this episode because I think both of us thought that we oh sweet like a football documentary like we're gonna this is gonna be so much fun but yeah what, what was going on for you well I think for me I know I had a lot of people tell me to watch it and then I'm like oh Tim Tebow like this will be good and then you start watching and for me my I noticed my body just like tighten up like right at the beginning as soon as the coaches were talking and the quotes coming out of their mouths about this team and how they got to be a winning team. I ended up having to stop watching it at some points because I needed to, <laughs> to walk away, um, get my, I want to say crap together and then go back and keep watching it. Just again, with some of the stuff that was being done to these athletes, the, what the coaches were doing and saying, and it was just, it was really, really difficult to watch from a sports psych perspective. Yeah. It's interesting because the, the documentary was clearly like glorifying what was happening in the Gators program. And and specifically, it felt like they were glorifying like head coach uh, Urban Meyer. And it just, I couldn't believe what I was watching. Um, I had put it on as some casual evening Netflix, thinking like, this will be nice. I got my popcorn ready, got my beverage. <laughs> and so my wife was beside me when we were watching it as well. And she literally had to leave the room 20 minutes in after I had written one page full of notes, which I didn't even know I was going to be working when I was watching that episode. <laughs> but it was just so appalling that I realized, oh my God, like we need to talk about this because there are going to be people out there who actually think that what they're watching is some kind of like recipe for success. And I just remember feeling so angry watching it because of the industry that we're in, because of the research we know, because of lived experience of, of having played under coaches like this, maybe not to the same extent in terms of how like verbally abusive, but the tone was very familiar to me. So yeah, I don't know for you, Alex, but um, like, how did you process what you watched in that first episode? Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot. Um, for me... 
Yeah, it brought back a lot of memories, but I think the coaches anyways that I had in my past were more subtle and just it wasn't as in your face as Swamp Kings was. But I think as all of us as athletes, we've all had those similar messages said to us in some way, shape or form. Uh, I know for me, as I was watching too, a lot of the athletes that they were interviewing, you could see them getting like uneasy in their chairs. You could see their body language change. But yet the words coming out of their mouth were like, it's fine. Everything's fine. It was great. But yet they were like not their. I guess their body reactions and their facial reactions weren't matching up with the words. Mm -hmm. So for me, it was like really paying attention to what they actually were looking like in the the interviews um, and who was showing kind of what emotion and going from there. Yeah. I, I know this is going to be a bit of a hot take, but a lot of what I was watching and listening to from the coach actually reminded me um, of David Goggins. Now, David Goggins, um, you know, former uh, military or was it Navy SEALs? Navy SEALs. Yeah, former yep. Navy SEALs. And, you know, just this mindset of like, always be gritty, always be resilient. And like, you know, you're a pussy for being weak and and letting your emotions like take over. Just like always push forward no matter what. And you know, he is, he's a specimen. Like for whatever reason, Mm -hmm. like that kind of mindset works for him. But I would say maybe 1% of the general population would actually be able to experience long-term consistent motivation by being so horrible Mm -hmm. (laughs) to yourself. And it is not a recipe for success because we know that any type of long-term fear or negativity that is used as motivation creates so much cortisol, epinephrine, and adrenaline in your body that it begins to wear and tear and break down your body uh, from the inside in, in a numerous amount of ways. And so when when I saw this, I was like, this is very much still connected to a lot of like American, like mm-hmm. high performance culture. Um, you see a lot of even like business, business coaches, or I don't even know what to call them, um, business influencers like mm-hmm. in the States that are all about that hustle culture of like, we got no time for weakness, no time for emotions, just like push through and don't be a little baby bitch about it. Mm-hmm. And like full embodied by Urban Mayer, who, um, you know, his family came from a military background and he figured, yeah, I'm going to run my football team like a boot camp. Like it just. Yeah. Oh. And I know I do some, you know, work with the military and I think, you know, there is programs like the Navy SEALs where Mm -hmm. there is a reasoning behind some of this because you need Mm -hmm. the top people, but still at the same time, everybody's so different in terms of personality. And I know for me watching this again, it brought back kind of my own experiences as an athlete that we all need different things. And it's sad to me too, that some sports are so stuck so far behind in terms of coaching when they need to be meeting their athletes where they're at. And coaching is very different nowadays um, than it was in the sixties. And I find a lot of sports and a lot of coaches are still stuck in that mindset. And I think, you know, this, especially Swamp Kings was also like a testament to that of like it being stuck in that old boys club. Yeah. Like clearly still, again, glorifying like Mm -hmm. that this is a successful algorithm to leading a team. And even when we look at, you know, all the comments that coach made about how, you know, he's trying to run his team Mm -hmm. like the military and and a lot of the um, quotes that like Goggins makes about like his time in Navy SEALs. But I actually believe that it's a bit of a, 
misinterpretation of what being in a really healthy mm-hmm. militaristic culture is yeah. like because the one thing that the navy seals prioritizes above all like nothing is more important to the navy seals is trust yes trust is the most important value mm-hmm. in that program for that team they need to know that no matter what is happening that everyone on their team is going to be able to do what they need to to get the job done, to mm-hmm. save lives, to you know take a bullet if they have to. Mm-hmm. And so like trust is built on a completely different system mm-hmm. than what we're seeing in this show, uh, Swamp Kings. Yeah. So you can have that intensity. You can have that drive that like, you know, we are always pushing forward no matter what mm-hmm. during the performance. Mm-hmm. But as like a 24-7 seven days a week mindset that like there is zero room for emotions of any kind and we just need to push forward that is as toxic as it gets Mm -hmm. well i know that he had used the quote unmerciful yeah in episode one at some point and yeah that basically kind of what you said showing weakness Mm -hmm. is not okay on that team and that being grateful and kind and happy and having fun is is out of that team culture totally 100%. And you can see it in the athletes when they're being interviewed Mm -hmm. about it. So, yeah. Oh, the squirming that you could see Mm -hmm. the superstars that were given the steak dinner and were treated like royalty. Mm -hmm. It's like they knew it wasn't okay, Mm -hmm. but they're on TV. They're like trying to look like, oh, yeah, we we won. So, like, everything that we did and experienced was so great. Mm -hmm. But, like, you can tell in their body language and their face, it was not. Okay. It's not okay. Yeah. One of the moments that really stood out for me, I think it was in episode one, might've been an episode two, but when um, the captain called, I forget who it was out. And um, there was at one point, it sounded like there was almost like a fist fight happening. Mm -hmm. And then the coaches, I, I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something like, oh, well, they need to just duke it out. Are you kidding me? Yeah. And I was like, what makes this okay (laughs) for two people to be fist fighting in a locker room? Mm -hmm. And like, what kind of messages are those sending to everybody else? 100%. I remember um, I worked with this client, still one of my favorite human beings to this day and had a military background and just had one of the craziest high trauma childhoods that you could like imagine. And, you know, the tool that he used to have success early in his life was like the battering ram, was the same type of um, tool that we saw the coach using like day in and day out, like, oh, just fight it out. Like, oh, we're just going to like push till we puke, like always like to the limit of like your breaking point and using anger and aggression and hostility as like tools to achieve performance. And, you know, you might be able to experience some kind of like short term success by doing that. But if that is your only emotional regulation tool, if you open your toolkit of coping skills and the only thing in there is like a 40 pound battering ram, Mm -hmm. yeah, (laughs) you're going to destroy every relationship in your life. Mm -hmm. You're never going to be able to have success outside of those militaristic environments or that high pressure sport environment where for some reason the perfect personalities all love being treated like shit because that somehow made them perform. But we have to have multiple ways to be able to regulate emotion. And this coach was basically only giving people a battering ram to deal with with the stress of being a student athlete at like the highest level. Mm -hmm. And at one point 
the coach did say, if you're not performing, you get called out. And so that also tells me, and you can tell definitely in the interviews that they were all pretty much playing from a place of fear. Mm-hmm. Right. Like they were scared of the consequences that were going to happen to them if they didn't make that play. Yeah. And it's clearly very evident. And especially when I watched it the second time, you can see it a lot more again in what they're, what mm-hmm. they're saying and how they answer the questions. Um, and I, yeah, I couldn't even imagine being in that situation, to be honest with you. Some of it seems like unfathomable <laughs> that this yeah. happened um, and that these players actually went through this. Yeah, just ridiculous. I remember I had a coach in my, my U16, yeah, U16 AAA um, like hockey season where we all knew that he was known for going through like dozens of of uh, whiteboards, coaching boards, breaking mm-hmm. garbage cans, like it was like every single game, it, either after the first or the second, that he would just turn on Snap Show and just start wreaking havoc in the locker room, always picking out like one or two guys to like, you know, make fun of or or to call out. And I remember like, yeah, you don't want to be that guy. Mm-hmm. Like, so you would try to do everything you could to avoid mm-hmm. being the center of attention in the coach's hostility. But you might play with energy, right? You might play with desperation, mm-hmm. as a lot of coaches like to use. Freaking hate that word. But you will have no fine tune, mm-hmm. no finesse, no soft skills in that performance. So in football, you can get away with it in most positions mm-hmm. of like, I'm going to kill you. I'm just going to run through you. And even when you look at Tebow, like he was not a throwing quarterback. <laughs> So he was able to kind of just be that like ox that would just run through guys Mm -hmm. um, and just make like short, short passes. So for the kind of personalities that were there, they were able to kind of get away with it in terms of the superstars. But I would really like to know the mental and emotional damage that was like clearly done to the majority of the team that weren't given the steak dinners at the end of the day. Well, and it's interesting because I know I picked this up and I think you did too, but that they really only interviewed the superstars. Yeah. In the documentary, there wasn't a lot of other players that went. One of my favorite quotes, and I want you to break this down, Matt. Okay. uh, Because we hear it a lot in coaches nowadays to some level. Um, But Urban Meyer said, if you have discipline, you should win most games. Right. Yeah, I think every coach has a version Mm -hmm. of this in their uh, their repertoire that they like to use right before the players go out in their pregame speech. Of, you know, if we just focus on X, Y, Z, we will win. You mm-hmm. know, if we just do this as a team, we will win. And th- it sounds like it's okay. It sounds like yeah. it's motivating or or encouraging or that it'll help the players focus on what's most important. But, but the statement is a lie. So mm-hmm. from that perspective, like we know that it's potentially harmful. So the Gators weren't a perfect team. Like they lost games. The teams that we work with, they might do everything as well as they possibly could, but they were playing a better opponent or they just had bad puck luck. And which happens, which happens all the time, like sports, sports happens. And so what those kind of statements do is if all of a sudden you're not winning or you're doing the things that, you know, coaches said that, you know, if we just focus on, getting pucks in deep and, you know, trying to win every battle and, and playing aggressive, like we'll win. And all of a sudden you look at the score, you're like, we're not winning. Like what's going on? And then you su- use the same statement again 
and again, and then you're going to lose the entire room if there is no direct correlation between we do these things and we win. Yeah, Winning should never be a word that is actually used by coaches in a pregame speech. During video sessions, creating goals before the season starts, checking throughout the season, we can talk about like, yeah, how many wins do we believe as a team that we are capable of of um, of achieving in this next you know segment of games? But then you never use that word again mm-hmm. because you cannot control no matter how amazing you play, whether or not you're going to win. Mm-hmm. So any bit of language that leaves wiggle room for there to be fear of like, oh no, we're actually not going to achieve the win, the outcome, the goal that coach set out. We're just increasing the chance that certain players on the team will will start to feel tight and fearful and, and hesitant because, oh no, I'm, I'm doing the things and it's not working. So shit, there's like nothing I can do. And then you end up in a slump where you end up feeling helpless. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm not saying that coaches cause this, but oh my God, can they do a much better job of avoiding mm-hmm. having these kinds of situations come up. Yeah, I would 100% agree. And yeah, I think winning is just, we're all competitive. We totally. like to win. So it's a common word that's used, but again, trying to be more mindful of when it's being used and intentional with it instead of just throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, and that also leads me to the, oh, let's win this game. You yeah. guys got this. It's yeah. like, Let's yeah. phrase that a little differently. Yeah. The amount of teams that we work with, because uh, we often will go to the field or the court mm-hmm. or the rink and we'll watch the teams that that we work with. And <laughs> it feels like it's just a given that the last thing that a coach will say right before leaving the room is like, oh, let's go out there and win this game. Like like on command. It's just every time built in the coaching DNA, it, it feels like. But if you have your players focusing on an outcome that's in the future, that's outside of their control, and that has nothing to do with being in the present moment, you are asking your players to no longer be present, therefore no longer be in flow state. Like mm-hmm. That's what that innocent motivational statement mm-hmm. will do to a brain subconsciously. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's we'll break down in like future episodes about specifically like language and and phrases that coaches can use but if you're a leader if you're a coach just try to avoid using like if we do this we will get the outcome that we're looking for that's just that's just not how life works <laughs> no and as you said there's so many uncontrollables in a game that that we can't control and um yeah we don't want to set ourselves up for failure even before we step out out there no in research that was done, I can't remember how many years ago, it was a few years ago, there was like a meta-analysis that was done looking at what are all the variables that lead or contribute to success. Mm-hmm. And based on those variables that lead to success, what are the most significant ones that like if we really just pursued those two, three, or four variables, like it would greatly increase our chance of, of having success in whatever endeavor that we're at. And there was useful information there, but at but at the end of the study, it was kind of like, oh, well, I guess it doesn't really matter because the most important variable that leads to success is luck. Mm-hmm. There was not another metric that came even close to the importance of luck in terms of whether or not you become successful. When you think of any profession, any sport, any performance, actor, musician, like at that highest level, there's almost no separation between like mm-hmm. other than like the goats, like the once in a lifetime generational talents, the skill level at work or in sport is almost identical. And so like, well, how do you get to that next level? What's luck? 
Like maybe you ran into a coach or a scout in the hallway at the right place at the right time. You had a conversation and then all of a sudden you were in the back of their mind and they thought of you when they were looking at who they wanted to bring on to their team Mm -hmm. or who they wanted to like hire in the next job interview. And just tons of variables in terms of like the kind of family that you grew up in, the kind of school that you went to, like who was your teacher, like what jobs did you Mm -hmm. have growing up? It's, it's luck. It's like you, all we can do is move forward and try something and maybe that opens up another cool door down the road. But the number one variable that leads to success, and I want you guys to remember this, is luck. So like cut yourself some slack mm-hmm. when you're in a slump, when things aren't going away, when you're wondering why your life doesn't look like the influencer on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pick different metrics. <laughs> yes. I heard I saw you squirm when you said Instagram influencer. <laughs> so to pull this back into Swamp Kings, because that's yeah. what we're talking about. Yeah. Um, you there is some parts in the in the documentary where they do talk about like what was important to certain players um and family systems and all of those things when um they were making some decisions. And I know one of the players was like, I just wanted to come and play football and go to college and and have fun and do well in school. But that wasn't the culture that was being talked about or um, I guess being done in that locker room. And when the coach was treating his superstars like superstars and the shit like shit, you've automatically now created this hierarchy system in the team and the culture is naturally just going to go down. Um, because now you've compete, now you have a, basically a competition within the team right? and being able to see, you know, certain players having the steak dinners and other ones, you know, even barely surviving it's yeah, it just creates a dynamic on a team. That's, that's really unhealthy. Um, and it really shows the values that urban Meyer had when he coached that team. Yeah. It's, it's okay to have a, a hierarchy, in a team work sport. Um, but when there is a difference in how you're getting treated mm-hmm. based on where you are in the hierarchy, that's why millennials and Gen Z's leave work. That's why athletes, when they reach 14, 15, where they've had a couple of years of club sports, that's why they quit. And so we might think that these cultures are fine, that we're like bringing out um, the best in the athletes and our employees who really want to be at the top. But again, going back to the culture of Swamp Kings, that, and and especially like the, when we were talking about David Goggins, there is a particular kind of mindset that we've mm-hmm. been talking about that, that may or may not work for an exceptionally rare amount of people mm-hmm. in the population. And so you think that you are creating a culture of success, but no, all you're doing is breeding your ecosystem to facilitate success for just a couple different individuals, Mm -hmm. a few select different kinds of personalities. And we know that as coaches, as leaders, we no longer can lead in one way and expect everyone to follow. We need to be able to adapt to all the different personalities in that room, in, Mm -hmm. uh, in that office, so that different personalities who have different kinds of strengths who will be able to support the team, whether they're the bottom six in the lineup or whether they're like the new employee that just came out of school. We need to learn how to breed success for all different kinds of people. Mm -hmm. Um, Otherwise we continue to support the extroverted charismatic 
um, logical feelings or for the weak type of personality, because that's kind of what the American capitalistic kind of system is, is built on, is that those kinds of people will have more ease in, in achieving success than a lot of these other different kinds of personalities. Mm-hmm. The one last thing I want to touch on that also bothered me in the series quite a lot. <laughs> Just one more? Just one more. Um, was how much they trained. Ooh, good point. They, I hate using the word balance, but I'm going to use it here. Mm. Um, they had no time for anything else. Yeah. They were working out from midnight to 3 a.m. They were practicing basically all day, every day. They were doing workouts. They were like their structure of like how that was, they had no time for anything else. And we're not going to get into this because I know this is another podcast one, but the athlete identity is so important and we need different parts of us. um, And we need to like go hang out with friends every once in a while or, you know, being able to focus on school. And those athletes really had none of that. It was all football. Mm -hmm. So again, some of the comments from some of the players was they didn't have time for those things that were also important to them. Um, And one of the players said, yeah, if I don't play football, I'm in nobody and you know it's really sad to hear those statements mm-hmm. right and for athletes to have those experiences and i don't know for me it was like yeah it was it's all or nothing yeah and that's again a completely kind of wrong mindset to yeah. have um and so i hope any coaches that are listening can understand that your athletes need time to do other things and if they can be a more like well-rounded individual mm-hmm. they're going to play way better for you and you're going to have more success that yeah, way completely i remember i incorporated uh, some research in, in my capstone that i had written on um identity foreclosures just hyper fixating yourself to just one aspect of of your identity and there was a lot of research that was done about uh, minority athletes in the states about how being a professional athlete was seen as like one of the um, like the gateways out of poverty was one of the ways to like get out of um, like living in, you know, those neighborhoods and in those really like low SES um, socioeconomic status um, like environments. And so like, when you look at a lot of these kinds of athletes that don't have a lot, that don't have a lot of like mm-hmm. privilege growing up sport literally becomes life. It feels like it is the only way that they will be able to achieve success. And so the amount of like fear and and tightness that like these individuals have that like, this is all I am and there's nothing else that I can do. Again, that creates a desperate mindset that mm-hmm. doesn't create a mindset that an athlete can get into like flow state and actually perform better. Mm-hmm. They're using fear. And again, fear is short-term. We can never use fear as a long-term motivator. And yeah, it's just... God, I just, I really want to know what all those other athletes on that team are doing in their life right now and like what the impact was. That's a documentary that I, I would like a counter mm-hmm. to rather than this glorifying one. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, just don't don't take anything from Swamp Kings and think that that's, that's how you do it. Yeah. Don't do that. And for those of you that have watched it and you're listening to this podcast, I would encourage you to go watch it again and see if you can pull out some of these things that Matt and I have talked about because um, it's important to be able to to see it. Um, and again, I yeah, it's it was really, I want to say sad and heartbreaking that, you know, these athletes went through this. And 
Um, and like I said, you can totally see it in their bodies and just how they answer the the interview questions and mm-hmm. just the stuff that they were put through was was really not okay. No, like again, we we know especially with Gen like Z, which are the new up and coming um, like athletes in sport, and we're now hiring you know mm-hmm. Gen Z employees in, a, in our team, mm-hmm. and, and I know that a lot of you guys who are uh, in the working force are starting to notice that there's this new culture coming in. The most important variable for these individuals to be able to thrive in an environment is belonging, Mm -hmm. feeling that they are part of the team, that who they are is enough and that they don't need to like drastically change who they are to fit in with the culture, the team and the individuals. And so again, like when we look at the, what we've been analyzing from Swan Kings, everything that we see in that show is the opposite of what is actually going to allow, you know, the new generation of people to mm-hmm. have success in the workplace and success in sport. And on a positive note, not to just have this fully be like a negative thing, we are seeing in a lot of the organizations that we're working in that these kinds of leaders are slowly getting weeded out or, oh my goodness, I don't know if you want to mention the the soccer club, but there's a soccer club um, in, in our city that notoriously had only coaches that were like uh, Urban um, uh, and the Gators. And all of these coaches essentially uh, were asked to or or fired from this yeah. club. And so they created their own club. And now there's like an entire soccer club that is like Swamp Kings. It's wild. It is that absolutely in our city. Absurd. So it still exists, but they're having to create their own like culture. Pockets yeah. almost in cities. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah, it's very interesting. And then like I said, to see like this new generation of athletes going through something similar, it's it sucks. Mm-hmm. I think is the word I want to use. Um, and it's not fun to be in those situations either. And I know you've had good experiences as an athlete with good coaches yep. and I have, and those are the ones that stick with me the most. Mm-hmm. And those have honestly been my most successful like sports seasons usually um, just because we all got along. We, you know, belong- all felt like we belonged and we all worked hard and we all had the same value systems in place. And then having a coach that aligned with that helps so much more. Totally. And you'll, you're, you'll hear us allude to this like all of the time in our podcast. But when we look at mental health, the reason why it's so pervasive is because mental health is a result of disconnection. Mm-hmm. Whether it's disconnection of ourselves, disconnection with other people, of place, environment. And so when we create a type of competitive at culture where we are literally intentionally creating disconnection, we're not ever going to see the success that we want, especially mm-hmm with the new generation of of, totally. of uh, kids and young adults that are coming up. Mm-hmm. And so we want to be able to talk to ourselves because I know most of us probably talk to ourselves mm-hmm. like this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and obviously when we're communicating to other people, we want everyone to feel like they're okay with who they are and that they belong here. That it doesn't mean that we don't have difficult conversations. It doesn't mean that we avoid conflict because that also is very problematic with younger generations as they they never want to have a conversation that might lead to a disagreement. Um, But we want to be able to showcase like healthy conflict and to still be able to provide constructive feedback, but without it being like, there's something wrong with you. Mm -hmm changing it to like, we can improve our behavior, the technique that we're using in sport. Um, so yeah, 
don't be like Urban Meyer. Do not build your team upon the gator bedrock of negative punishment as motivation. Mm-hmm. You can do better. I would agree. So this is all for today. We will be breaking down more pop culture episodes or movies uh, in the future with Alex and I. And uh, we look forward to have you guys uh, listen in and, and comment on future episodes. And again, if there's anything that you feel like, especially for Alex and I, that you should break down this show or that episode or that movie, uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. And uh, yeah, feel free to comment in, in our socials or, or send us an email at info at mindbuffs.com. Um, and again, thanks so much for tuning in today. And we're looking forward to our next episode. Thanks, everyone. Bye.